Digital Marketing Radio, episode 121. Why ugly never wins and what to do about it. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Today's episode is brought to you by Aweber. Build your email list, engage your subscribers, do email the right way. I've arranged a special deal for all Digital Marketing Radio listeners, and that's a 60-day free trial with the email marketing software provider I use, Aweber. Lock in your 60-day free trial, plus download a free guide to getting started with email at aweber.com slash dmr. That's um, aweber dot com slash dmr to get started today. The Big Interview with David Bain. My guest today builds brands for TV personalities, experts and entrepreneurs. You've seen his clients on television, including Shark Tank, Dancing with the Stars and X Factor. He's also author of a book called Shut Up and Tweet. Welcome to DMR, Phil Palin. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so impressed with your setup. You know what's going on here. You're you're on the ball. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors, but those <laughs> smoke and mirrors work most of the time. It's <laughs> amazing. Well, you can find Phil over at philpalin.co if you'd like to get in touch. But um, Phil, is this ugly people or ugly websites that you're referring to? Yes, Ugly Never Wins is the topic for today, and that's my topic at New Media Europe. Um, it, I think it worked it's to grab your attention, but really referred to, in this case, uh, people's brands. And not just the visuals, but also the idea. Um, my bio is on, on Twitter kind of hints at this, but I'm, I'm always trying to figure out you know, what I can do to help people build a brand that's going to work, that's going to be sustainable, that's going to be memorable, because there's a lot of people creating content on the web. How do we, you know, create a brand that's going to rise above the noise? So that's really what I mean by that. Not just ugly physically, but no, you know, a, a brand that's going to really help someone build something exciting that's going to ideally turn their hobby into a career. Okay, so you're not favoring beautiful people then? No, I mean, sometimes maybe in my close group of friends. No, just <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, what is an ugly brand then? What's the characteristics of an ugly brand? Oh, great question. An ugly brand is something that someone does for themselves. So they've taken a hobby, something that they do that they get enjoyment out of, and they've created what they think is a brand or a business that's going to help all kinds of people. Let me give you an example. Someone wants to open up a restaurant or a coffee shop. Since we're drinking coffee, David Bain, since it's 7.53 a.m. on the West Coast, um, <laughs> We so a a an ugly brand is something someone does for themselves without uh, really giving consideration into what people need. So they create a coffee shop, they put it right beside a Starbucks, and they do it because it's something they've always wanted to do. But then it goes out of business within six months because they don't satisfy a need. I'm t- constantly trying to tell people that if your brand is set up to help people with something they need, not just a want. People don't really budget for wants once in a while, but everything that they buy or consume or purchase, it is a need. It must be something people need. So an ugly brand is something we do for ourselves. A beautiful brand is something that's set up to serve others. So really, truly, I shocked you and that it has nothing yet 
to do with the visuals. The visuals play a, an important role when we're building something that people remember or something people notice. But certainly the foundation of all of this is business. I always say branding is business. I don't just make something look pretty and send them off. You know, we, we, we work on the, the branding, the visual, the build, and then promote it using intelligent strategy. So it's twofold. So I'm going to have to cross out all my questions here. I have a load of questions yeah. about um, why you not like ugly people. But yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no <I'm> kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, is it then possible for an ugly brand to turn into a beautiful brand? Of course. But the person who's at the helm needs to be open to constructive feedback. Um, that's usually what I'm watching for. If someone calls me and says, Phil, I really need your help. I have this business. I have this product whatever it is, they call me, I'm a brand strategist. And if they're defensive, um, if they are completely self-absorbed, you know, or they think what they have is fantastic and they're not really open to any kind of changes, then that's not the type of client I'm going to work with. The, the most success that I have are with people that come to me that trust me from the beginning. I mean, it's a collaborative process. So I just don't, I don't take it over and say, you know, it's, you know, it's still their brand. They still have to be responsible for the day to day, but certainly, um, it's a you know we work on it together. But it needs to, people need to have the right mindset in order to adjust it and, and change it into something that's going to be beautiful. If it's not from the start, so does a brand have to reflect the owner's personality? Or can you actually create a completely separate personality for the brand that doesn't necessarily reflect the personality of the founder? It's always going to depend on the project. Um, so even to give like a general answer on that, it would be tricky because it really depends specifically on exactly what it is we're marketing. But nine times out of 10, David, I would say harnessing the personality is is the opportunity you have to stand out. So usually, yes. I mean, if it's a product, if you're a consultant, if if the offering is based around you and what you do, then there's a way that you do it that's unique. And we need to isolate exactly what that is and build that into the strategy of, you know, this is this is part of what makes this offering unique. Whereas if it's, you know, or if a lot of people are juggling multiple businesses. And so you're not going to have like, you know, the same kind of brand personality built across the board, depending on what it is you're creating. So it always depends on the project specifically. But, but yes, personality, even with a product, is one way of standing out. A lot of people don't put a lot of energy into that and people should building a brand voice having a consistent brand identity colors typography multiple logo compositions you know all of these things people don't give enough time and energy to when really it's something that helps you clarify your message down the line and when you're talking about brand there you're obviously talking about um a company identity but um, can an individual behind that company be a brand themselves as well? Because I know that you. Oh to... yeah, so, I mean that's yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, but I was just going to say I, I said at the, um, the 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 start that you obviously have clients that um, have appeared in quite a few different uh, television programs. So mm. if that's the case, then obviously 
you would have assisted them, I would imagine, with um, helping to present themselves in a, in a more effective manner. So do you get them thinking like a brand themselves? Yeah, that's it. No, it's a really interesting question because from the start, my work has always been focused on personal branding. I've always worked, you know, from the start with celebrities, experts, entrepreneurs, individuals. And since I've established that focus for my business, I've also attracted a fair bit of attention from companies, corporations that are like, wow, this is a breath of fresh air. And they get excited because the 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 you know the companies know they need to personify nowadays they need to even for a big company where there's a lot of people involved it's becoming more important for us to develop personality and have that kind of transparency so i've been speaking i just you know a few weeks back was in japan um, speaking at a, doing a keynote at a conference, um, a branding conference, and it was all the top companies, uh, corporations in in Japan, and they were really interested in exactly this topic. How do you use branding, even the the idea of personal branding within a corporate structure, to start to build that kind of transparency that is online you know you can sometimes it helps us sometimes it hinders us but certainly for a company to invest in building an identity or a presence around some of their key personnel or their the, the personalities behind the brand uh, some brands have have done that very successfully so companies are watching closely to go you know how do we how do we instead of creating a, something fake like a mascot how do we leverage the people behind the brand and use that as a method of storytelling? That's a really interesting um, avenue of personal branding right now as it plays with companies. Okay. Um, so drilling into the characteristics behind a really effective personal brand, um, if you're putting yourself out there, if you're going for interviews, um, what are the kind of traits that you need to have um, to carry yourself well and to come across as being a great personal brand? Unlike a lot of uh, branding experts, I don't put a lot of time and energy into developing a creative little brand archetype. You know, to me, that's just a waste of time. What I'm always trying to do is take inventory of what we're working with Who's the client? What flavor do we get from them when we have an in-person conversation? I remember meeting you in London a few months back, mm. right? And so I can remember our, our meeting and, our, and, and just like meeting anyone for the first time, you are face-to-face. You absorb you know, their content, the way that they speak, uh, what they're talking about, the way they say it. Um, you know, those little nuances you get face to face. If we can focus on how we communicate conversationally and take inventory of your personality as others consume it and to be self-aware of that, that's the key to answer your question. It's about being self-aware. It's not just about having, you know, sticking to your guns and being specifically this personality type. It's more about taking inventory of you, knowing 
how you present yourself and how others consume you and to always reinforce that brand, but really just be yourself. Technology is now in the way of, of that in-person experience, right? So mm. like I say, when you and I met, I remember that. I remember chatting and and it, it's different than this because we've got cameras and we've got microphones and we've got all of these you know, pieces of technology to help make this as natural as it is in real life. It never will be. So we have to adjust. You know, we have to use technology to uh, recreate that in-person experience. And so I always say the best branding is when we recreate the in-person experience as closely as possible. So it's not about being anything, any specific, you know, trade or adjective. It's about being you and using technology to work for you, not against. Mm. Bob, and I love the fact that um, at least we can see each other face to face here mm-hmm. because a lot of podcast interviews are conducted over audio on Skype. And it's more difficult, I think, to actually have a more natural conversation like that because at least I can see you when you're perhaps finishing your point and, and we're more likely to have a natural conversation than just listening to you and not being able to see how you feel passionately about whatever you're saying. Definitely. I agree with you 100%. Mm. Okay. Um, so it sounds like what you said was basically it's very important just to be as natural as possible, to have that natural conversation and don't have a goal in mind. Don't initiate a conversation with a view to an outcome that you've actually thought of beforehand. You just need to actually have a natural conversation and see what happens. Yeah, it should always be exactly what you would do in real life. That's the way that we, you know, that's how we do it in real life. And and there should be no exception to that. Uh, It's just, however you do it, it's just about taking inventory of that, knowing, being self-aware of your style, your content, and then being able to execute that online is typically how brands are able to grow and engage people in the most efficient way. It reminds me of uh, the kind of mistakes that people make on Twitter. And um, obviously, uh, as I've seen in a video of you um, already, um, saying that um, broadcasting is probably the the biggest mistake that people make on Twitter and not yeah. interacting with people. Just And you wouldn't do that face-to-face. You wouldn't jump in there and say, this is me, this is what I'm about, here's my business card, bye-bye, I'm off to meet someone else. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it is. It, it is. It, and people who use Twitter just to tell everyone what they're doing, this is what I'm having for breakfast, and this is what I'm having for lunch, and I feel like jumping in and saying, no one cares. <laughs> if you were having this conversation in real life, you'd be having it with yourself, unless, of course, your brand is food. You know, if your brand is food, then that changes the game. But you always have to be aware of what others think and 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 what it is people want from you. And and this plays into all, not just Twitter, but all of your social media platforms. Really, every single social media platform needs to have a purpose. And when and so a perfect example of this was me actually uh, in January on Pinterest. I was pinning examples of branding. I was pinning all my favorite travel destinations, the whole range of things until I stopped and went, hmm, Phil, maybe you should listen to your own advice. What would I tell someone else about this? I would say focus. No one cares if your brand isn't travel. No one cares where you want to go. 
for all your favorite, you know, possible travel destinations. No one cares. People want from me, they want examples of branding. They want good business cards, websites, logos, advertising, print, all these kinds of things that I absorb every single day as a brand strategist as I'm designing brands. So I repositioned my Pinterest. I went from 800 followers to 10,000 this month. We just passed. So, you know, I've given the platform purpose. People find it useful. They share it with others. It becomes a tool not only for me, a resource when I go to start a branding project, but it also becomes a resource for other people. And that's the whole point. Okay. And one of the things that um, a brand or a business leader wants to do is build relationships with authorities within their industry sector. Um, what would you say are some of the, the better ways to actually start to reach out to authorities within the industry sector to, to get noticed, but without selling themselves in an overt way? Yeah, when you sell yourself, um, it comes across as desperate. It's kind of like, you know, it's it's never it's never received well even if this person is a casting director or someone that is used to having these types of interactions it's not cute it's desperate and so using i mean the beauty is we have all of this available to us uh, for the most part using the internet using social media if you don't know someone's email you can usually guess it based on their brand or their website and their mm. name you can always try it i've done that many times with success you can, but I mean, even better, use LinkedIn and use Twitter to f not Facebook because Facebook is it's used actually differently in in different countries. So in in I was when I was in Japan, they use Facebook like LinkedIn, uh, which I thought was interesting. Facebook's used for business, and other platforms are used for more personal stuff. But I know in the UK and and in North America, Facebook's kind of our close knit group of friends, but Twitter. And LinkedIn are places where networking and meeting strangers is encouraged. And so to try and track down, you know, the person that you're trying to get in touch with, rather than just, you know, sending them a message that is very salesy, I would instead focus on starting a conversation. So retweet something that they've said. You know, it's like if you went up to someone that you're trying to impress or trying to start a conversation, you may even say a compliment. That's what you would do in real life. So do it online. You know, I love your tweets. I'm so impressed with your perspective on entrepreneurship. You know, whatever it is. I mean, I, I get to experience this when I'm involved with the social media strategy of some of my clients. My clients, you know, they often call me to be on hand or on the phone with them while they're on network TV if their episode is airing. So part of my job is to absorb everything that's coming in in terms of content and tweets and buzz. And so I'm often the one that is involved with deciding what gets retweeted, what gets favorited, what gets replied to, and what gets ignored. Most stuff gets ignored. You know, so what does it take to get noticed by someone who's an influencer. A lot of times it's across the board. It's always different, but across the board, it's someone who puts a little bit of time and effort into that message beyond just, you know, tweeting whatever comes to mind first. It's someone who puts some, some serious thought into that to start a conversation, to say something positive. Um, if you put, if you put the effort into that, 
you'd be amazed at how many retweets and how many responses you'll get from the people you want. That's helping to build that kind of authority rather than being the desperate one that goes up and says, oh, this is what I need from you. Again, it's not about you. You want to play hard to get. You want that influencer to see you and go, oh, this person looks really interesting. So your picture should look good. Your content should be consistent and should be on brand. Um, you know, your your Twitter bio needs to be on point. All of those elements will work together. You've got to have followers. You know, it, it, all of those elements work together mm. to reinforce that first impression, which is what we're crafting. Absolutely. A, a lot of great tips there. I can completely concur with that. It's It's funny, actually, the most effective way for me to actually um, build that relationship is to actually say to someone that um, I respect within within the digital marketing sphere is to say to them, can I interview you for digital marketing radio? And that is really, really effective because then obviously I can spend half an hour with someone and have a wonderful conversation with them and they can get to know me more, I can get to know them more and then we'll be more, more willing to help each other out in the future. You know what? It's a really good point and it's something I tell people to do often. I work living in LA, I work a lot with TV hosts, personalities, people that are building their platform. So if they're not working on TV yet, they want to be working on TV. So I tell them to build their own show their own platform like yeah. this digital marketing radio is your platform and so rather you know say bbc you know notices what you're doing and says god we'd love to have this on our network they're not coming to you saying david bain tell us your idea tell us your idea for a radio show or a podcast they don't care about your idea we're too busy for ideas we need to see something executed, something to see where it starts and to see where it is now, to see that kind of progress. So I tell my host this all the time, rather than emailing someone and saying, um, you know, for me, I would love to talk to you because I'll get so much insight from you and I want you to hire me and I'm so great, blah, blah, blah. No one cares. Those emails <laughs> get pushed right to the bottom and i get a lot of emails that it's just i just don't have time to give 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 you know with someone that i don't even know mm. whereas if someone emails me and says phil i'd i love your perspective on branding i'd love to feature you on my podcast i'll tell you something i'm not even going to look up their podcast to see how big and fancy it is i will say yes and even if it takes a few weeks to set up a, a an interview that's what we'll do because you've now with this exact same request in many ways, you've shared the spotlight. You've given the, fo you know, you've put the focus on me because this will benefit me in some way. And I build into my schedule. You know, I'll, I, I always make time for podcasts because it's good for me. It's, it's fun. I get to meet all kinds of interesting people. Podcast interviews have helped me land speaking engagements all around the world. And, um, I'm always going to make time for them. And and so it's brilliant. It's just a brilliant way of marketing yourself because you're creating content with purpose. This is going to be beneficial for the people who are listening. It keeps you on top of your game, you know, having to conduct interviews yeah. and ask questions and make sure the content is interesting at all times and to guide that conversation. And then you have something physical that you, you can show for your brand, your expertise. So it's actually a really, really smart way 
of uh, marketing a business. And even if you don't have a definitive end in mind, you're still developing your own skills as well. I mean, I'm definitely better at presenting than I was in episode one, episode 120 now, but um, I'm not the finished article yet, but I am a lot better. And I know that when the opportunity arises to do big speeches or to be invited on big radio stations, then I would be able to do that because of the experience that I've built up. Absolutely. Sometimes it's just confidence. Mm. And it's and it's you being confident in your delivery and your content and what you've learned along the way um, that it, it becomes really, really beneficial for sure. For sure. It's a really smart way to go about doing it. Great. Okay. Well, let's segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses more on your thoughts on where digital marketing has been and mm-hmm. where it's heading. So starting off with software, I couldn't live without. So what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? If someone took these away from me, I would smack them. <laughs> um, <Not> too loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would I? Okay. Software. Well, I use Google apps a lot. So for my email, I rely on them for Google Docs. Even me being so specific about having everything look good, I've spent a lot of time customizing templates that I use within my business on Google Docs because I find it to be the most amazing collaborative platform. Um, My team and I will work together, all three, four of us will work together on a single doc and have it done in 20 minutes as opposed to, you know, two hours spent back and forth, back and forth by email. So I love Google Docs. Um, I use some really cool software that I should use this opportunity to share uh, to create invoices for my small business. I use Billings Pro. And the reason I use this above other options is because the templates are fully customizable. The templates are fully customizable. So all of my invoices look hot uh, and branded, which is my, these are what my dreams are made of. (laughs) Um, I also use Evernote a lot to capture my ideas for some of my more creative projects and to keep things in order for my business. So when it doesn't go into Google Docs, it goes, or Google Drive, it goes into Evernote. So payroll, receipts, ideas for podcasts, ideas for webisodes, videos, all these types of things. Um, I use Evernote, and then I'll give you one more. Okay. I uh, love Pinterest secret boards. So I have a few secret boards that other people are not privy to seeing unless I've added them onto that specific board where I I encourage everyone to do this. You, at one time or another, you're going to need to create something that's more creative. So it could be you know, a, a title page for a book or it could be uh, a website where rather than just going, hmm, what is it I like? What I want you to do is create a secret Pinterest board called On Brand. This is where you will basically pin anything you see online that you love. It could be an advertisement, like a little, you know, like a big box ad or a leaderboard ad online some on some website. It could be a Facebook ad. It could be a website. Just take a screen cap of the website. Upload it into your secret Pinterest board called On Brand. And this is 
this will become such an amazing reference once you get 50 to 100 plus pins in there because it'll give you so many ideas on fonts and colors and layouts when you go to create your creative project. Um, so it's just kind of rather than rather than going, oh God, I have to have a website done in a month. What's it going to look like? I don't know. Let's throw something together. Start to take inventory of your tastes and what grabs your attention online and what other people are spending a lot of time and money developing so that you can look and see what's working best. You know, take a little bit from all of those elements. That's called creativity and originality. You know, take inventory of all of that and, and pull something together unique that represents you based on what you've seen online over time. That is one of the most powerful tips that I can give people. It's a secret Pinterest board. No one else can see it. So you can add in whatever you want. And by the end of it, you'll have a really awesome secret Pinterest board. I'm not sure what you're going to say in the rest of the discussion, but um, I'm, I completely agree with you. I reckon that's the most powerful tip you're going to deliver today. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I always tell people how it is. So probably people are going to be like, oh, God, I hope this isn't a hobby. I hope this is a business. I already defined the difference between hobby, something you do for yourself. Uh, brand is business. A brand is something you do for others. It's a very simple formula. Your brand is something you love with something others need. Something you love with other ne others' needs. So hopefully they're brainstorming on a piece of paper to figure out what that is if they don't know what it is. But yes, the secret Pinterest board is... Um, I need to write a book about branding. I have a book about social media, but that's on my list of things I need to do and start over the next year. And that's one of them. I'll have a whole chapter dedicated to all these little systems that you should have in place that will help you build your brand organically without having to set aside hours, you know, 15 minutes a day, do this, do this, do this, do this. That's kind of what I am always developing and pioneering in a way because we're, 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 we're going to get busier, you know, in your time, as your business grows, you only have so much time and time is the limited resource that we're all competing for people's attention. And so how do you use your time in a way that's going to allow you to have a life and allow you to sleep? Um, so you can perform your best and it's a balance, but to use, to have these little systems set up along the way, I think the software, as you mentioned, the software is, is key into that using platforms that work for you. Well, I'll tell you what, Phil, I'm getting together actually with some leading podcasters here in the UK and we're starting a new podcast called business book of the month. So anyone listening can go to businessbookofthemonth.com. And the reason I'm saying that is if you write your book on branding, we will feature that as the business book of the month and we'll discuss it. And um, I, I'm sure it'll be a wonderful read. I love it. I definitely will. I've already started it. I don't have a title or anything like that. But, um, you know, what I just talk about books, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening that already have one or they're thinking about it. When I went to write my book, I had no idea what I was doing. And now it's something I've helped many of my clients with. I've got a few actually like original drafts of books sitting on my desk from clients where people haven't even seen it. It's either in like a Word doc printed out with all kinds of, you know, scribbles, or sometimes I have like the first draft with the creative and layout done. But when I went to make a book, I had had a few years of teaching behind that. So in LA, I taught at a school for TV hosts. And I over the course of two years, I worked with over a thousand TV hosts to help them build their brand. I reached out to a, a, a group of them and said, what was the most useful thing you ever learned from me? 
rather than me sitting here thinking about what I wanted to write on and what what excited me, I don't matter. Who matters are the people that I've that I've taught and who have learned from me and now are using the strategies they've learned. And most of them said, Phil, your strategy for Twitter has helped me grow my followers to thousands. And it's giving me the structure that I needed to be able to actually exist on Twitter and, and use it as a powerful platform within my business. So that's why my book is about Twitter. Even though now within my agency, there are two of us. My partner, Lauren, handles a lot of the social media strategy where it, it allows me to focus more on the branding. Um, that's why I have a book about Twitter because it was the most useful thing that people had learned from me at that point in time. And now, so that's, so that's why my book is about Twitter. The next one will definitely be about branding. I'm sure you've got a few books inside you. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> okay, let's move on to a slightly more challenging question. So that's, um, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Yeah, I've thought about trying Infusionsoft. Mm. I know that that's a platform people pay a lot of money for, but it becomes pretty useful in terms of managing your lists and all of that stuff. I'm If there's one area that I'm not very good at, it's email marketing. You mentioned Aweber yeah. off the top. Um, I know people use Aweber. I know people use MailChimp, uh, Constant Contact. That's kind of on my list for 2015 projects to get a handle on. Um, my email marketing has been weaker than even a lot of what, you know, what my clients are doing. And, and um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I hate getting emails. I use emails as my to-do list. And maybe that's what ruined it for me. But when I get an email from someone that's trying to sell me something, I want to go find them in real life and smack them. I don't want emails. I unsubscribe to at least 10 lists that somehow I magically appear on every single day. I hate emails because emails mean that I have to do something instead of going and spending that time on the beach. I live like five blocks away from the beach in Santa Monica. I don't want to be reading emails or buying anything, you know, but people, I end up on these lists. And so I've always kind of had a negative impression of email. I'm, and so that is probably the block, even though I know that it's so powerful. That's probably my, my block, you know, is like, I need to get over that and start to send emails. I just have a hard time thinking, I know how much I hate email. I don't know why anyone on earth would want an email from me. Are you from, building a list at the moment? Yeah, I have. I am building a list on my website, not super aggressively, mm. um, but I mean, my my social media speaks for itself. I mean, I have a my list is not huge. I love when people are like, "Oh my gosh, my list is so small." I have like no one on there. I have like five thousand. I'm you know ten thousand people. I'm like, oh god, I, I don't even come close to that. But when you look at my social media platforms, I have ten thousand on Pinterest. I have forty thousand on Twitter. You know, I, th that's where I have focused. I just am not a fan of email marketing. So, but I'm acknowledging to you that I know it's something that I need to start to build. And that's probably specific to software. That's what I'll be. I'm on MailChimp now and I do enjoy it. I like that it's a really easy uh, branded interface to navigate. But that's something that I know I need to explore a little more. I tell you what, I'm on your site at the moment, philpallon.co. And it took me a while to find where to opt in to your email list. You know, I, So here's, let me tell you why. I actually took, for the last year or so, I had an opt-in 
and a free seven day course where people could sign up. And for seven days, they would get an email from me with something to think about as they build their brand. I didn't call it, I didn't call it like a free download. I didn't call it a free report. I didn't do any of that. I called it a course. This is an e-series that you can subscribe to and you'll get something to think about every single day. And people loved it. But I I then rebranded a few months ago and I haven't had time yet to update it. So you know me, OCD perfectionist, Mm. perfectionist paralysis. Instead of just leaving it or setting aside a few hours over a weekend, I'm like, no, I need to revamp the whole thing. It needs to come off. And so that's at my own fault. I should still have it on there. But it used to be plastered. I had little pop-ups and all that kind of stuff. But I've kind of taken it off until I can do it right. But I think there's something to be said about that, though, waiting to do it right. People watch me because they know I'm like the branding guy. They're like, what's he doing? So anything I do, I want to make sure it's done really, really well. Just look at your audio kit as well. I mean, you can see from that. I mean, you didn't start uh, podcasting until you had everything. David Bain, I got this a week ago. I have all these little okay. things that are flashing and buttons and lights and green lights and red lights. I don't know what any of these mean, but that's exactly what I did was I reached out to mutual friends of ours and said, hey, actually, well, Mike Russell is one of them from yeah. New Media Europe. I said, Mike Russell, tell me what to get. And he's, you know, a few people were like, well, Phil, start with this microphone. I'm like, Phil's not starting with a microphone. Tell me all the top things so that it can look and sound perfect. That excites me to create it. Um, and, and I want it to be perfect. Yeah. Well, your audio sounds perfect. It really does. It's not just about having the right microphone. It's about setting up correctly and you've got all the settings, right? Definitely. I can hear that. I appreciate that. I so appreciate that because I was so freaked out. It was a Sunday afternoon and I was like, okay, I have everything. But what I did, I actually went to Mike Russell's YouTube channel and he has all kinds of tutorials on setting up the preamp and all of that, the audio interface. And I even learned a few tips in Adobe Audition. Are you not impressed? I've been building it, all my podcasts, recording and editing in Adobe Audition. And I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm learning. It's wonderful. Uh, And I love (laughs) editing my own podcast myself as well. I think it's a great way not only to actually learn how to edit, but also to help you improve in your presentation as well, going back to that, because you hear yourself and you hear yourself going, um, and you improve because of it. I am going to get to the point. I loved how you already actually play the little sound effects as we record so that this becomes so much easier to edit when it gets to that yes. place. Yeah. I'm not there yet. I literally, to to go back to what we said at the beginning, which was, record and have a conversation, have a conversation with someone. So I've not even done formal intros yet for my podcast. I flip on the microphone. Sometimes I'm interviewing people who are not as comfortable. Some of them are. I work with hosts and I've interviewed a few of them that are really interesting. And so the microphone goes on and they're on and they know how to give a good sound bite and all of that. But others, I've really wanted to just have a conversation. And I'm like, you know what, I'll go back and with, that's the beauty of audio. You can edit, you can add in, you can do so much that you can't do with video. I'll go back and make it fancy, but for now, I just want to have a really good conversation, something I would want to listen to. And But I know I, I'll definitely get to the point where it's all fancy like yours. Yeah. 100 episodes or 120 episodes down. I mean, you learn you learn a lot along the way. You do, you that. do, you do. And talking about sound effects... I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back in the very first day you are involved in trying to market a business online. What 
Didn't mm. you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? I would have. I've learned a lot this year, 2015. I've learned a lot about delegating. And my background is different than people that do branding or social media in an agency setting. So at the ripe old age of 26, I have worked for four years building my small business, building my branding and social media agency. There's a lot that I have tackled on my own instead of you know hiring it out or delegating others to help me with it. So what I wish I would have done differently, I wish that I would have started delegating sooner because it's taken me a little bit longer to build and learn certain things. Now, I mean, still that's small. I'm really proud of everything that I've done from the start. I mean, to be able to rock a niche from the very beginning mm. without having that corporate experience, I think it helped me. I never worked for an agency. I never worked at that level. I, I literally moved out to LA and realized, wow, there's no one helping individuals. There's no one helping people. There's no one that can deliver a website, a social media strategy, uh, a social media campaign at really an affordable level for an individual, not a corporate budget. And so I kept it lean from the beginning. And in doing that, I built, you know, uh, I kind of became the guy to call, specifically with TV hosting in, in LA. You know, if you need to build your brand, call Phil. And I'm really proud of that, that I kind of figured that out on my own. You know, satisfy a need. That's why I bring that up so much because I'm really passionate about it because it's how I've doubled my business every single year. Now I'm at the space where it's more than I can handle. So I'm, you know, I've got a team. It's not just the Phil show. You're not and old having, enough to be able to answer I wish I would have question, are you? That was a stupid <laughs> question for you. <laughs> no, I mean, I wish I would have started delegating sooner, but I'm still proud of everything that's happened leading up to this point. And that's a that's been a big lesson this year. This lesson is, or this year is less about me, you know, oh, grow my business, make more money, blah, blah, blah. I, that's not even a, I mean, I, that's not even my focus this year. My focus is to build my team, have a proper setup where my team, all experts in what they do, can, can deliver a really amazing final product, and it doesn't always have to be me. And this frees up my time to spend doing what I love to do, which is this, creating content, having time to think about a book, the, my, you know, my content, what I share on stage in front of hundreds and sometimes thousands of people. This is exactly... What, I, what my time needs to be spent doing. Instead of slaving away, it's spent creating content and thinking about things. And for quite a while, I've not had the time to do that. And I'm excited that I'm now, even in the last month, having time to focus on doing all of these things that I really love to do. The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Just two rows here. Try not to think about the answer too much. Okay. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. Right. Oh, I love this rule. Great. <laughs> Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Display advertising. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one -on -one relations? One-on-one -on -one relations. Paid search or SEO? Mm, SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? 
social subscriber. <laughs> and local marketing or global marketing? Global marketing. There wasn't one both in there. Wow. No. I hate when people say both. That's that's it should be illegal. <laughs> you shouldn't be allowed to say both. You have to make a decision. And social subscriber. Will it ever yeah. move to email subscriber? No. It won't ever move. I mean, I, I may be more welcoming to the whole email marketing email list situation, but um especially in the work that I do where I'm working with hosts and I'm working with experts who want to get on television, casting directors, uh managers, agents, gatekeepers are looking at people's audiences. Mm. And so that's all public facing. So you, the number of Twitter followers you have, Facebook, all of these things, that's what my clients need to secure a second season as a TV host or to get a gig because not only did they bring talent to the table, they also bring an audience. So that's why for me, social subscriber is more important. Very well explained. The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend you it... Should. <laughs> if, 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 if. <laughs> Over the next few days uh, and you had to spend it on one single thing, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Does that, do I have to spend it on something business? I might spend it on a vacation. If you can justify that as being worthwhile and having an ROI from that, then go for it. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. God, I might stick it in my bank account and save it. And I would measure my success by not touching it. <laughs> There's not very good interest rates available at the moment, though, is there? No, it's true. Um, I would... What would I do? Well, I just invested, obviously, in um, audio equipment and video equipment and little tripods for Periscope and all these types of things. So I probably wouldn't spend it there. Um, I would... I don't even know. I don't even have a good answer for you. But, um, but it would involve content production by the sound of it. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably use it use it to uh hire my team to create more content. So I, you know, my team helps me and clients with a number of social media platforms. So we create content for our clients on Twitter, um, Instagram. I would probably use it to build up some more activity and engagement. Uh, so I'd be hiring my team to help me even with more areas of my business. So probably Instagram, a few other platforms I would think about, maybe Periscope, have some of my, my team help me with that. I'd probably use it internally for something like that. And do you think generally it's better off someone like you as the, the face of the business creating the content and having other people syndicating it? Or... Can you get to a stage where other people can create the content on your behalf and mimic your voice, or is that not really possible? It's very possible, because that's exactly how I do it. Okay. I hate to burst the bubble, but yes, um, I've done a good job. If you can't tell whether I wrote my tweets or someone else wrote it, I have a content creation team that helped me pin, tweet, post blog send likes on periscope or hearts i mean i literally i have to because there's only one of me and so when they call me in la when they call me from access hollywood and they're like phil we need you to talk about beyonce at 11 a.m can you get here in an hour i have to be ready for that that's an important thing for my brand so i have a team that helped me out with all of these things my tweets are written for the next two weeks i've approved them uh, we've scheduled them. 
And now, of course, I check in on Twitter about 15 to 20 times a day to watch the engagement and to respond real time with engagement. But my content is all created. Everything is a system, as you've already learned this from me. I have a system for everything. So there's a system in place to create my content. And I certainly use a team to help make that happen. But you always do the engagement yourself. Always do the engagement myself. And I always approve every single tweet that's written for me beforehand to make sure that it's on brand and make sure that it sounds like me. But you know, given my, giving my team the opportunity and the feedback, they're able to totally craft stuff in my voice. Um, that's the beauty of it. You know, so it it doesn't always have to be me. It doesn't always have to be you. When you start to trust and give feedback to your content creators, that's what I mean. That's what we get hired for. That's the majority of my business is helping create content for clients that don't have time, and they don't have time because their time is spent doing whatever it is they love to do and something that earns them money, so that they can afford to hire me to create their content. You know, I mean, people that are hosts and that are experts shouldn't be spending their time writing tweets. They can trust us, you know, with really amazing systems in place to find this content and to write it in their voice. We create content uh, client uh, profiles where we talk about, we, we discuss the tone of voice, the content, the topics, everything is laid out and approved by the client beforehand. So we break it down into a science. It's really cool. My number one takeaway. Well, Phil, you've offered so much information, so much great information. In fact, I didn't want to stop you and I've just kept you so long. So um, hopefully you didn't have uh, anywhere else to go. But uh, No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> what would you say is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement within their businesses? Yeah. Remember that it's not about you. Successful brands are built when we make it about them, when we satisfy a need like any good business does. So make it about the person that you're selling to or that you're you're offering something to. And so it 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 means that you won't really even have to spend time and effort into marketing or advertising because you have such a built-in need, you're such an expert in that area or niche that people will call you because you're the person to call for this. That's who you want to be and you'll get there if you make it about them, not you. Wonderful. Digital marketing well, and thank you, dear listener, for joining us as well. If you like what you heard, I'd really appreciate your feedback. So just go to digitalmarketingradio.com slash iTunes and please leave an honest rating and review. It would be absolutely fab to hear from you. And of course, it would help to improve the ranking of the show in iTunes. And finally, I'm also hosting a brand new live show every Friday called This Week in Organic. So head over to thisweekinorganic.com to find out more about that. But that's all for now. Adios. And... Thank you so much, Phil, your wonderful guest. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.